helping people find purpose. Wow, what a word, purpose. You know, immediately there's a, there's a verse that I just recently just jumped out at me. And I just want to share this one verse with you because it says almost everything that I want to say today. It's, it's out of the book of Acts. For David served God's purposes in his own time, and then he died. That's a, that's a short verse, but it says a whole lot. It's a powerful statement. Like, who wouldn't want that epitaph on their tombstone someday? Hey, look, David, with all of his troubles and his, his failures and his struggles, with all of his victories, with all of his successes, he served the purposes of God. He fulfilled God's purpose before he died. Did you hear that? Before he died. You see, I, 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 don't, I don't really know if I'm gonna, when I'm going to die. If I die tomorrow or if I die at age 101, it doesn't matter. As long as I know that I have fulfilled the purpose that God placed me on this earth. As a child of God, I want to know why I'm here. I want to know why God created me and put me in this space. I want to know. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Helping people find purpose. You know, growing up, there was always a question asked to every kid in school almost every year. Hey, what do you want to grow up to be? What do you want to be when you grow up, little boy? I remember that. You know, when you're, when you're in, in kindergarten, you want to be a kindergarten teacher because they just ask you that. So you, that's the closest thing to your mind. I remember, I remember being, I think, probably in the third grade. And we had this thing called Weekly Reader. Anybody remember the Weekly Reader? I don't know if they're still around, but anyway. And I just remember they asked the question, the teacher, Miss Anderson, asked the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now, what she meant was, what do you want your occupation to be? But to us, that was the same thing as your purpose, you know. And a lot of people still have that confused. It's not the same. But anyway, she said, what do you want to be? Well, I had just read in the Weekly Reader about these incredible lobster fishermen in Massachusetts. I'd never seen a lobster in my life. But it was a neat story, and I said, I want to be a lobster fisherman. And folks, half the people in my class felt the call to be a lobster fisherman as well. <laughs> but by the time you get to like fifth grade, it's really tough. I remember being on the playground, and some girls ran up to me and said, You've got to choose who you're going to marry. Vicky, Judy, or Lydia. And I'm going, because they have said you, they would be willing to marry you. You've got to choose and you cannot change your mind. That's a lot for a fifth grader. And, I, and I'm, I've got to choose right now. I, um, well, I, I, you know, I've known Lydia all my life. Uh, Vicky, she's real fun to be with, but Judy's brother has a really cool car, <laughs> and he owns a used car lot. So I chose Judy for the week. You know, about the fifth grade, too, is when they're, they're asking, too, what, what do you want to do with your life? At, in fifth grade, I, I really, seriously, I, I wanted to be an archaeologist, because I thought it was so cool to dig up stuff that's old and say, wow, look what you found. <laughs> but I also wanted to be a pastor. I really did in the fifth grade. I felt that then. 
But the thing I really wanted to be more than anything was Batman. And, but, you know, I realized, hey, that's ridiculous. You can't be Batman. You know, you can't be Batman. Look at you. You're just a little shrimp guy. You can't be Batman. But I could be Robin, and that's what I wanted to be in the fifth grade. People get the idea of their, of their purpose and their job, their employment mixed up. We're not talking about employment. We're talking about the reason God puts you on the earth, not the way that you might make income, which may change over the years a hundred times. Who knows? It's something baked into human nature. Even those who don't know God wonder why they're here. They wonder what their purpose is. But if they don't know their creator, they usually come up with no answer. They don't really know why they're here. Some people have thrown away the possibility of there being a God. They refuse to believe in a God at all. And so those people, it, it just seems like there's no, there's no purpose at all. I'm just an evolutionary accident. You see, if there's no God, then life has no meaning. And without meaning, life really doesn't matter. So eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And that's how so much of our world lives their life right now. Is it any wonder why young people can be so confused in our world? They've grown up pretty much most of their life at, uh, with education telling them that they're nothing more than a blob of cells or at best some elevated pond scum, you know, that has risen to the top somehow. It's true. Is it no coincidence that as our culture has turned away from God, even as our government has tried to expunge every mention of God from the public discourse, is it, is it any coincidence that suicide rates have gone up? That people feel no meaning in their life? See, when we remove, we remove God from the equation, it's just a very difficult reason to find to make life matter at all. And that's the truth. Basically, the world's approach to life is about purpose is, is bankrupt. It truly is. It's, it's bankrupt. That's why we see chaos in schools, in the streets, in neighborhoods, and in our world. We see chaos breaking out because people don't have any reason for being here. They don't understand. They don't know their creator. In the early 20th century, there was a group of existential philosophers. That sounds like a mouthful, doesn't it? And they got together and they came up with what were the three greatest fears of all humans. Okay? Uh, the first fear was the fear of death or the dread of death. It was called the three dreads. The dread of death was the first one. Uh, it's the idea that everybody looks at themselves and says, I'm not going to last forever. I'm not going to be here forever. This body's not going to be here forever. I'm going to die. And it causes anxiety in so many people. And so they spend much of their life just, just trying to ignore their mortality. They just, they, don't, they don't just want to admit it. They just want to move as fast as they can and not think about it. American culture is, is completely covered with the idea of distracting people to where they don't think about their mortality. They don't think about the fact that one day there's going to be an end. What are we going to face? The second dread was the dread of loneliness. Hmm. 
of, of separation from people. That's the same thing God said when he created Adam, and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. That dread of loneliness is, is just an affirmation that God knows what he was talking about when he said, people are meant for relationships. They're not meant to be alone. They're meant to have interaction with other people. And then there was the third, the dread of purposelessness. Only some philosophers could come up with so many snesses on the end of a word. Purposelessness. I worked on being able to say that. It's this feeling that my life doesn't have any meaning. There's this haunting dread that what if life doesn't matter at all? That was one of the three great dreads. One of the guys that helped put this list together, he was a, he was a Nobel Prize winning, brilliant philosopher, mathematician, scientist, writer named Bertrand Russell. Bertrand Russell was also someone who didn't believe in God. He was an atheist. He, uh, he, he saw life as meaningless. This is one of his most famous quotes. Listen to this. Life is just one cup of coffee after another, and don't look for anything else. Gosh, that's so sad. That's what one of the smartest guys in the world said. That's so sad. But I'm amazed to read that the same guy, Bertrand Russell, wrote this quote. Unless you assume the existence of a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. See, even atheists know that believing in God changes everything. Everything. So that's why my first point is this. Purpose comes from God. Purpose comes from God. God has placed within my life this need to find purpose. And he places purpose in my life. So I have to ask the question, and it's good to ask, what is, what is my purpose, God? It's okay to say, God, what is my purpose? Now, some people make up their own purposes and create their own purpose. You know, they might seek to see how many toys they can collect in their life. You know, see how much money they can make, or, or uh, maybe they find a cause to get behind. But it's amazing, some people's purpose, it appears, to be just to stay alive. Stay alive, exercise, eat right, take your supplements, uh, take your medicine, go to the doctor often, really often, go to the psychiatrist often, go to the emergency room often if you need to, stay alive, stay alive, staying alive, staying alive, you know, they all just, that's, that's it, they're called survivalists, they just want to stay alive. Other people think there's no purpose in life and so they just want to escape thinking about it. Really, they don't want to think about it at all, at all. They don't want to, they, 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 Try to numb that feeling. They, they, they do it through amusement or busyness, but usually through like prescription drugs or illegal drugs or alcohol. They just don't want to have to feel it. They just, they just want to put their hands over their ears and over their eyes and go, don't even, don't even, ask, don't even talk about it. Don't even talk about it. I, I remember uh, when I was a kid, we had, I had a great grandmother. We called her Little Grandma. She was like in her 90s when I knew her. And the reason we called her Little Grandma is she was sort of shriveled up, you know? Little Grandma. And uh, I couldn't understand her a whole lot because she was dipping snuff all the time, and she sat 
really. And she sat in a little rocking chair right by a little heater to stay warm. And she just rocked, and she had a little walking cane. And um, when, when, a little, when the grandkids would walk by, she'd just pop us on the back end. She'd pop me on the back end and say, your daddy ain't no count. And I used to think, she's making fun of my daddy. What do you mean my daddy ain't no count? I, what does she mean by that? She was, she was being, that was her showing affection to us. But man, it scared me to death. I ran from her. It was weird. I, I remember being in, she, she, when she passed away in her late 90s, we all went over to the house and uh, my dad and all, my dad was her favorite grandchild and yet he said, yo, dad ain't no count. So anyway, we were all, all in there. We were in a separate room and, and my, my great grandmother, little grandma passed away and right when she passed away, it was about when this clock in her room started going ding, ding, ding. It's the one that tells you what time it is. Loud clock. And uh, so everybody said, wow, it's amazing. She died right as that clock struck. Well, for the kids, that was weird. So we'd go to Mama Sim's house. That was my grandmother. We'd go to her house. We'd be all playing, and that clock would start, and my cousin would go, no, 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 no. She'd put her hands up. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Why? Because she didn't want to think about death. She didn't want to think about it. I think that's what some people do in our world. They don't want to think about their purpose and why they're here because it, it raises too many questions. I just don't want to think about it. Then there's, by the way, th those people, those people who don't want to think about it, who want to numb themselves, they're called escapists or potheads, either one. <laughs> but there's another group of people. There are people who do believe that God has a purpose for life. They do believe that God has uniquely made everybody with a design that he himself created. And that, that life has meaning. Those people are called believers. They're called Jesus followers. They're called Christians. And I hope this room is full of them today. Amen? Yes, we believe that. Design. God has a design for us. Now, does design mean that God has already predetermined everything. He's already programmed us like a computer, and we're just, we're just a machine going around doing what has already been programmed for us to do, good or bad. It's just what we're supposed to do. No, that's not true. That's not true. That's, that's not it at all. Are we merely puppets? No way. That's not it. You see, purpose involves choices. You have a choice to partner with God's purpose or not. David, the Bible said, with all of his messes, he fulfilled God's purpose for him on earth. He had a choice to not do that. And so many people choose to not do that. So it has choice. God gives me the joy of choosing to follow the purpose he has for me. But how do I find that purpose out? Well, first of all, i got to ask. God, show me. Show me your purpose. Show me your purpose. Show me your purpose. God, uh, let, let's go back to what was said about King David, that scripture. David served God's purposes in his own time and then he died. You know what that, that in his own time means? It means in his own generation. David served God's purposes in the span of life God gave David. It's in, it, it's in his, his culture, his time, the years he was alive with his relationships and his family 
and the people and whatever God was doing around him at the time, he served God's purposes then. He didn't have to serve God's purposes for a thousand years uh, before him or a thousand years after him. He's just responsible for serving God's purpose in the place God put him and in the time God put him. I get to do the same. My purpose on this earth is linked to all of you because here I am. <laughs> my purpose is linked to my family. My purpose is linked to what God is doing around me. He asked me to participate with him in whatever he's doing around me. And my purpose can only be found there. I can't find my purpose in a place I'll never be. I can't find my purpose in a place God's not going to send me. I've got to find it here, now, with what's going on. So purpose is not something you wait on God to show you. You start living it right now. You live it by participating in what God's doing. And, and, the, and so that tells me, that tells me that purpose involves my choice to do it. Purpose doesn't. That's my second point. Purpose involves choice. So you say, how does that apply to me and to Kingwood Church? Why, why is one of our core values to help people find purpose? What does that have to do with us? at Kingwood Church. Well, the Bible teaches that God's purpose on earth is a partnership with the church. Really, from the very beginning, God said, I'm not going to just do my purpose on earth. I'm going to use humanity to help me. I'm going to use people who follow me to accomplish my purpose in earth. He, he's going to use us to help him fulfill that. That's what he has called us to do. If that's true, and that means the church has a purpose, that means a local church has a purpose. That means Kingwood Church has a purpose. And it's a unique purpose for us. Why is it unique? Because everyone sitting in this room today is unique. And our church as a body can help you find your purpose. Because you've put it, God's put us here together. And we get to discover that together in relationship in our time. Just like David did in his, in our time. That's what God has done. So, that's true of every church, not just ours. Every church around the globe, whether it's a mega church or a house church, whether it's a giant church or medium-sized church or a little bitty tiny church, that church has a purpose and it's involved with the people that are in that church. God wants to use the church to do it. Partnering with God brings meaning to my life. When you say that, if I know I'm here for a purpose and I'm in this church for a purpose and I want to find my purpose and I feel like God is directing me, I'm like part of something big. <laughs> I'm part of something a lot bigger than myself. I'm part of the work of God in the world. You know, they may not write a book about me like that we've written about King David, but I get to partner with God? That's a big deal, guys. That is a big deal. That is no small thing. So what is God's purpose for his church, for, for Kingwood Church? And how do I fit in that? Well, we can go to Matthew 28 and find out what God's purpose is. Matthew 28. Um, it couldn't be plainer. It was uh, the last words that Jesus spoke right before he ascended to heaven after he had risen from the dead. Let's read it. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, here it goes, go make disciples 
of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's called the Great Commission. That's called the Great Commission. It's Jesus explaining the purpose of his church, his worldwide huge church. And then, on top of that, he gave them supernatural ability through the coming of the Holy Spirit to accomplish that task. Now, that's pretty good. So I can confidently say this as my third point. Purpose involves the church. Purpose comes from God. It involves your choice. But it involves the church as well. Very much involves the church. I'll have to say this. The purpose of the church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And folks, if, that's, if that is the purpose of the church, then that is Kingwood Church's purpose too. I want you to know that is our purpose at Kingwood. To make disciples of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the job of any church. It's the job that we must focus on the most. Not seeing how many activities we can schedule. Not see how busy we can keep church people. But to make disciples. Wow, that's a loaded word. Make disciples of people. There's this new thing out there. Uh, it, some of you have heard of it. It's called social influencers. Social influencers. What it is is 45% of the world's population is on social media. Think about that. The world's population, not America's. The world's. 45% at a minimum is on some kind of social media. And so there are these social influencers that get on there and they adopt a product or, a, or an, an issue or, or a, a anything, they adopt something, and they begin to post about it often, just post all the time, just, just try to make all kind of posts about it, and they, they research it, and they, they talk about it, and they get interest, and they get a group of followers that follow them, and all of a sudden, that person becomes a social influencer that is now the expert on this issue. <laughs> they didn't go study anywhere, they just, they just became the expert because they talked about it a lot. They became a social Influencer. Did you know now there are young people that when the teacher says, what do you want to be when you grow up? They go, I want to be a social influencer. How do you do that? You just get on social media. Can you imagine how many young people think that's the greatest job in the world? And get this, these social influencers get paid by companies to promote their product. They get paid to do these kind of things. Once they have a following, they actually get paid to do that. Now, some of you here are going, oh, yeah, we can do that. A social influencer. In a sense, they're like marketing evangelists. <laughs> social media marketing evangelists. They evangelize for products. They evangelize for, for songs, for, for groups, for a type of music, for a cause. They're, they're influencers, and they do influence a lot of people. People see people on social media as the brilliant people. And all of us who are on it go, no, I'm not. But 
they have become the brilliant people because they seem to know it all. And so they say things, whether they're true or not, they get on there and say them, and they become the experts. In a sense, influences, influencers is what a disciple is. But not with something fake, something that's true. A disciple of Jesus is a person who influences everyone around them to meet Jesus. Disciples make disciples. Jesus spent his life, three years of his life, with 12 people. He actually spent it with a lot more, but 12 on a day-to-day basis. And those 12 did the same. And generations later, there are billions of Christians on the earth because of influencers. Influencers. That's what a disciple is. So what I want to do, I want to, I want to take that great commission just line by line real quickly. And, and let's look and see what our purpose is as a church and what your purpose is as a human being who follows Jesus. Are you ready? As a disciple, your purpose. Here it goes. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That speaks of uh, making disciples here, in this building, in this city, in this county, in this world. We, we have a worldwide view. That's why Pastor Jeremy last week spoke on one of our core values here, one of our uh, greatest core values is to help people meet God in Shelby County, that's local, and beyond. That's, that's part of our purpose here. That's this church's purpose, and that's my purpose as a believer. I need to be an influencer, a disciple who wants to help people meet Jesus. It says, go and make disciples of all nations. How do we do that? We do that in everyday conversations. We do that in the buzz about what God is doing. That's what social influencers do. They try to get a buzz going about, about something out there. We do that by our conversations. We get a buzz about what God's doing. It's so neat when you go somewhere and somebody, you, you see somebody at the grocery store and they're over there going, this is what the Lord did in my life. And they are influencing someone in the grocery store about the goodness of God. And they're just using their mouth. They're not using their education. They're not using all the knowledge. They, they're just using their experience. This is what God did. That's what it is. It happens in everyday conversation. It happens in intentional trips that we may take, like on a missions trip, uh, a, mission, a ministry team that goes out and does something in the community, a life group that people gather in. They talk about God and what God is doing in their life. And that buzz about what God is doing among us. Look at the next phrase. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, you know what? Last week was so awesome. We baptized. I think it was nine people got baptized last week in the foyer. And it was just an incredible period of rejoicing. Everybody just enjoyed it so much. And on, on social media this week, I have seen a buzz all week about what happened at Kingwood with the people baptized. People watching it and seeing it and hundreds of people saying that was the, one of the coolest things in the world just to see people baptized and hearing their stories. Yes, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
you know, it's, it's good to talk about the good things God has done. It's, you know, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit knows how to create a buzz in everything he does. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. I'm sorry. Create a buzz in everything he does. Anyway, he does. We just follow what God's doing, and we talk about it. You don't have to go get some course and go out and say, I've got to go speak to these people. I've got to go knock on doors and go, here, here's a, belief, a set of beliefs that we have. Would you like to join our group? No. Just talk about what God has done. Talk about it. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are winning converts right here in this church. And beyond. That's what we're called to do. You know, we want our church to be attractive to people who are hungry for God. But not attractive for the wrong reasons. We want them to be attracted to our church for the right reason. There are times that churches use hooks to get people in. They'll bring some celebrity on stage and try to get all the lost people to come. Get as many lost people as possible to hear the celebrity, and then we're going to have a hook, and we're going to save them all. But you, know, you know what the best hook is? What God has done in my life and me telling you. The best hook in the world is not getting a celebrity on stage. The best hook in the world is you just telling your neighbor what God has done in your life. That'll mean more to them than anything that could happen. Sometimes churches spend a lot of money trying to get all the famous people to come through and get as big a crowd as possible, and we'll just throw the net out, and, and, and you know, the, more, the bigger the net, the more people you catch. That's a great idea when there's a big crowd. But you know what? I'll, you, you ask Billy Graham crusade. Think how many people used to come down at that Billy Graham crusade. Billy Graham said, we had so many people who came and made a, made a response but so few ways to follow them up. And he said, he said, I wish we had thought of a better way to follow up with those people. And you know what a local church can do? When, when you make disciples within the local body, when you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you develop a relationship with them, and they don't have to walk away from God. You don't just throw a net out, say, yeah, they're all fish. They all checked the saved box. Now let them go. No. You nurture them in the power of the Lord. That's why the next phrase is so important. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. See, part of, our, part of our job is not just to cast the net and see how many people we can get saved. But to then train them to walk with God. That's part of our purpose. Everybody, some people are better at throwing the net. Some people are better at training the people. But we work together and we do what God wants together. And that's why it's so important for you to find your purpose because God wants to use you in one of those two things. He wants to use you to help bring people and win people. He wants to use you to, to help train people and love people and be in relationship with people. Everybody has a place they can function. It was the Jesus method. Jesus spent time with his disciples. He didn't just give them teaching moments. He didn't just do the Sermon on the Mount 42 times. He did the Sermon on the Mount. Then he walked around and taught people how to walk with him. And he, 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 he said, hey, let's do this. and Let's try this. And they asked him questions. And it was life on life. 
And that's what it is in a church. That's why churches are so important. You, you can't be a lone ranger for Jesus. That's why my next point is so important. Purpose involves relationships. It does. It involves relationships. Look at what Paul wrote to Timothy. I want you to look, look at these scriptures. It's sort of spiritual influencers. Listen to this. But you, Timothy, not Timothy, he had won to the Lord. He had led Timothy to the Lord, okay? Certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. Listen to that. And what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know how much persecution I was suffering and I've endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Look at that. He said, Timothy, you've watched my life. You know all the, you know all the victories and all the struggles. I've been real honest with you. You saw the persecution I went through and you saw the glorious things that God did through us. That's life on life. And Timothy adopted that and lived it and passed it on to someone else. Look at what else he said to him. But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You know you can only trust a teacher that you know. I, I want to tell you, there are a lot of people out there on the internet teaching and preaching or whatever. You don't know those folks. It's, you may find some people that you follow and you like and, that's, and it encourages you and that's okay. But let me tell you what, you don't know people you can't see their life. One of the things about discipleship is we disciple people and when you're in a church, you know the people. You can know them. You can know their life. And you don't have to wonder if there's, there's an ulterior motive there somewhere. You know them and that's what he said to Timothy. Look at the next. You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, teach these truths to other trustworthy people so you can pass it on to others. He, Paul said, Timothy, I've discipled you. Now, go disciple somebody else. And that's how we got here today is because of that. Some of you have heard that Kingwood Church began because of someone who had come to Christ in the Azusa Street Revival in California in the early 1900s, had come to, to uh, Alabama, was invited to come and pray for someone in Alabaster, uh, pray for a, a, a sick person, and, and for healing, was healed. It turned into a Bible study that turned into what is now Kingwood Church. That's because somebody won somebody that won somebody that discipled somebody that discipled somebody, and we're still doing it. That's the purpose of our church. That's the purpose. <clears throat> and then the last phrase is this, and I am with you always. And surely I'm with you always. You know what Jesus promised them? He said, I'll stay in relationship with you. Did you see that? He will stay in relationship with you. It's not a matter of I'm going to win you and then let you go. No, I'm going to stay in relationship with you. As a church, I'm supposed to do the same thing. We're supposed to stay in relationship with you and help you grow. Help you find the gifts that God has for you. Help you find where you fit the best. And that's what our church has to do. That's what we want to do. We want to be a part of that for you. 
We want to help you find your purpose and help you grow and find out everything God has for you. But you have to take a step forward and say, I'm willing to do that. I don't want to just come, listen, and go home. I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want to connect with what everything God is doing. I want to be like David. I want to serve the purposes of God in my world, in my time, in the place that God has placed me. That's what I want to do. I need to do. Partnership. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be in partnership with him. It's not automatic. It doesn't happen automatically. It takes time. It takes effort. Listen, it takes commitment. It takes discipline. It takes rearranging your priorities. There's some people that love to just fit the work of God into whatever time they have left. And I can guarantee the devil will make sure you ain't got any time left. With all the... Uh, extracurricular activities we have out there. Sometimes being a disciple of Jesus costs something. I've got to rearrange some things because I don't want to miss my purpose in life. It's not a matter of me just wanting to, just wanting to like make sure I have enough money to retire on. There's no guarantee we'll be here that long. Why don't we just fulfill the purpose God has for me right now? God, I want to be everything you want to be right now. Right now. I'm not going to live for tomorrow. I'm going to live for right now. What you want to do in my life. That's the most important thing I can do. The best way to find your purpose is to, listen to this. Here it is. This is my last point. To make the purposes of God become your purpose. Let the purposes of God be your purpose. Instead of you going, God, I need you. Lord, this is my plan. Please bless it and help me do it. Uh-uh. God, what's your plan? I want to jump in and do it. What's your plan? What's your design? I started today with talking about David fulfilling his purpose in life before he died. You know that many, many hundreds of years before David, the Old Testament tells us sort of the same thing. And I want you to, I want you to listen. I don't know if you've ever thought of it like this, but families especially, listen to this. This is from Deuteronomy 6. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hand and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That does not sound like a spare time Christianity, does it? You know what that is? That's called a disciple. A disciple walks and talks Jesus. In the morning, they go, hello, Jesus. They talk to him all day long, and everybody they see, they're open. God, do you want me to talk to them? You just live the Jesus thing. You just walk the Jesus walk. It says, put it on your, your hand and your forehead. That means what you're thinking about and what you're doing. Let it be what God wants you to think about and what God wants you to do. And put it on the gate of your house. Say, God, this house belongs to you. And everything that goes on in this house is going to glorify you. And your kids raise up knowing you're going to talk about it at the table. We're going to talk. We're not going to just say the blessing. God bless the food in Jesus' name. Amen. No, we're going to talk about what God's doing. 
We're going to talk about the things of God. You're going to let your kids know this is what God did in my life when I was your age. And it just goes on and on. And you raise up disciples. And the disciples raise up the next generation. And the next and the next. And then we stand before God one day with the eternal reward of you fulfilled your purpose. That I put you on earth in your time. Whether it was a lot of years or a short time. Did you fulfill the purpose God put you here for? Um, I, when I was, I guess I was, um, I think I was about in the 10th grade or something like this. I, uh, the Jesus movement was going on, and I got involved in the Jesus movement, and, and, and we had a little Bible study. It was a Bible study. We'd all just gather and take turns teaching the Bible study. We didn't know, we didn't know nothing. But we just gathered and would teach a Bible study. And so one day, this guy just showed up at the Bible study. He was like, in his probably his late 20s we'd never seen him before his name was pete pete white he just showed up says hey can i come in we're going sure come on in so you know we sang a few jesus songs or whatever and we just started the testimony time we could get weird with our teachings and everything and then um he said hey can i share something for a minute he shared his testimony well he was a pretty cool guy and he came back the next week and he said, hey, can, can, can i share something with everybody and opened up the bible and he started teaching before long he was our teacher. He was our discipler. We'd go. We couldn't wait. We got all our friends. We'd go sit, and Pete would come. And he was just a common dude. He, he worked worked a job, and he was just a common guy. And he came in, and he opened the Word of God for us. He told us what kind of Bible to get that would really help us. And let me tell you what he did. He was in our life for two and a half years, and then he moved somewhere else. He's the guy that he let me come to a church that he was connected with that let me preach the first sermon I ever preached in my life. And he sat down with me and helped me organize my sermon. <laughs> he, we would go to his house. His wife would cook little things for us, you know, whatever. They didn't have any money. They'd cook little things for us. We'd, we'd just sit, just want to talk to him. We just, it was life on life. Last night, Peggy and I went to a little gathering of some of the people that were, that I go way back to that little group, that prayer group. We went and spent time, and I sat there in, in the circle and thought, thank God for Pete White. He came and lived life on life with us and poured life into us. And look at these people that are still serving Jesus. And you know, we're, here we are in our 60s, and we're still, still serving Jesus and, and connected with people that raised our families to know the Lord. That might not have happened had a guy not said, God, I want to fulfill my purpose. And he got out of his own little world and he jumped into our world and changed our lives. But you have to let him in the door. Remember, we almost didn't let Pete in the door because we didn't know him. Jesus, he's knocking at the door and saying, Will you be my disciple? Will you let me direct you? Will you let me bring people in your life to help you? Will you let the church at Kingwood help, help you grow? Will you, let, will, you, will you say, yes, I'll prioritize this. I'll let this happen in my life. I want to grow up in Jesus. He's knocking. Are you going to open the door? I don't care. It doesn't matter how old you are how young you are, it doesn't matter. This is the time 
to fulfill the purpose of God in your life. Would you stand with me? We're about to sing a song about the God that we serve. And it's a, it's a song that lets you know how powerful and incredible He is. But you'll never know it until you're a disciple of Jesus. And you become a disciple maker. And He wants to do that in your life. You, I want you just to pray with me before they sing. Father, I ask you to stir up on the inside of everybody in this room today. God, I don't want to miss the purpose you put on me on earth for. Lord, I want to experience everything you have. I want you to show me the way to be discipled. And Lord, empower this church to touch my life as I find my purpose fulfilled.